Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a palace right here. The late night flight is paid for by the following. Leading people into a situation where the, it's an astronomical situation, too great for the people to deal with. It's a situation where you got a bunch of mechanical pigs with 357 magnums and shotguns and mechanical mates and all that type of thing. And then they're talking about they're going to carry on a revolutionary struggle. That's not revolution. It's insanity. It's, it's a madness. It's nostalgia. And it's a massacre. That's what a potential massacre. That's what it is. And we don't support that because we've said all power to the people. All the power is manifested in the people. We don't have any people whose lives we believe that should be thrown away. It's a bunch of us. I'm a hand of calling it. Everybody on a mountain, everybody marching for a young nigga like me to get tsunami on it. I'ma get it, I'ma win a baby. I'll be on my curry till I crash a bird. 40 on it, yeah, I'll make the nerdy. If it's at the appellation to the appellation, I'ma do whatever that it takes to make a black nation. Hold on. And now, here are your pilots the informative Hanif Sowell and the greatest Henny Badger who has ever lived, Nassour Nuru. One question that, you know, I wanted to ask being that while we're recording it is it is Valentine's Day um, and we're going to be going into our, you know, black political revolutionary mindset uh, to, to pay tribute to Fred Hampton and the movie um, Judas and the Black Messiah that was recently released. But I wanted to ask you, why aren't you married? I'm not married because I am still searching for the one true life, the one true career that I believe I need to have. Mm. I'm searching for my holy grail. And for some reason, and this is just my personal take, my, for some reason I feel as though that I'm never going to have, and it's not what, this is just a quote unquote ladies, my perfect woman, mm. my woman. The woman that I know I would hold hands with in front of all you other women with confidence, with audaciousness, with pride, not feeling because, oh, 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 by the way, ladies, I'm not one of those that are looking for an open marriage. I want one woman. I want to be monogamous. So I want that. All of that. Only way, in my opinion, that's going to happen, at least on my end, where I can say, yo, I gave it my all my financial, my spiritual, my mental, the only way I can do that is by having the best me. You know, getting into the career that I know that if when I, when I wake up Monday morning at 6 a.m. is nothing. Like, I do this in my sleep and I love my career. I don't have that. You know what I mean? I'm making decent money, good money, but I'm doing it off of my level of communication tactics. Right. Not really off of my multimedia facets. Yeah, but I think I went through this whole phase where I didn't believe marriage was necessary. Um, I felt like it was just one of these, you know, arbitrary things that people did to show that, you know, they were in love or connected. You know what I'm saying? But as I get older, um, I'm starting to think about it in more practical terms. Okay. Um, and it's important very important for me to one, like you, you were saying, be the best version of myself that I can be so that I can make sure that I'm meeting the needs of my family. Right. Yeah. Um, two, it's also choosing a partner that works well with me. Yes. 
You know what I'm saying? Somebody that you can overcome adversity with, somebody that you can collaborate with and make things better. You know what I'm saying? Somebody you could just kind of chill with and just exist in the same spaces and and y'all got the same goals. So I just think that my younger self got caught up in some sort of idealism about, you know, I was in a relationship. We was basically married and that was cool enough. But now that I'm growing older and I'm understanding the importance of it, I think it needs to happen. And I think a a lot of us need to make it happen sooner than later. There's no point in, in, in waiting around. This is the oppressed. This is the And these people in this class have divided themselves. They say, I'm black and I hate white people. I'm white and I hate black people. I'm Latin American and I hate hillbillies. I'm hillbillies and I hate Indians. So we fight amongst each other. And you, you heard the testimony of pigs here. And you got pigs of all colors. You know that. You got pigs that are white. You got pigs that are black. You even got pigs that are black and white. Propagating the same type of madness that uh, the, this buffoon Henry had would be propagating if he were here himself. And why? Because they want to keep you to believing that I'm your enemy and that everybody else that's black and that wears a lot of hair on his head and hair on his face, they want to keep you thinking that he's your enemy. Is Judas and the Black Messiah movie of the year already? I think it is. I, I, I really think that, one, I think Hollywood going to do what Hollywood does, right? Because you have this movie uh, it's about a controversial character. It's a biopic. Uh, the acting was very well done. I thought the directing and the story that they told was authentic um, to the actual story of what happened. So I feel like it is definitely, I watched it twice already. You know what I'm saying? I'm probably going to watch it again. Um, because it's just so nuanced and you start to see things. I'm, uh, the criticism that I'm looking at is that they're saying that they they get they tried to make uh, Bill O'Neill more humanized. But I'm like, yo, he was 17, bro. When you think about it, like when you think about it, when we meet Bill O'Neill in, in 1990 on Eyes on the Prize, he's a grown man. So that's who you see. But a 17-year-old kid going through that process is like, he made a bad decision. You know what I'm saying? But was he, you know, this this nefarious snake in the grass type dude? Like, he just was a scared kid. The FBI put mad pressure on him. And he probably took one of you know our greatest political leaders as a result of that. It was crazy. But, but no, they, they did a great job with this movie. And I, I thought it was dope. My answer, as far as, is it the movie of the year already? I need to see movies. Mm. The fact that it's on HBO Max or Showtime, don't get me wrong, it, it just, I'm not even up for it. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if this, yo, bro, come on now. If this was at AMC if theaters, this was in the theaters bro. it would have been like Black Panther. Definitely this would have been, been a, been like, it. this would have been a full-on salute. We would have seen bad chicks doing the Beyonce formation dance all right. over again on Super Bowl party. You know what I'm talking about? Like, this would have been that. It would have been a Super Bowl halftime show. Where is going? At def- AMC. And I would have been here, all, I would have been all for it. Definitely. All for it. Um, but if I may, let me just go through, you know, the actors real fast. Okay. Or a couple of them. Do you have the woman's name? Can you look that up while I talk about the other two real fast? Yeah, I got you. Okay, so I'll start with Lakeith. 
Uh-huh. Lakeith did a great job playing Bill. He did a great job just showing what a snitch would do. But at the same time, even if you're saying, the critics are saying they humanized them. I mean, again, as Hanif said, this is a 17-year-old person. I mean, you got to take them for a human straight up just, just as is. They're innocent still. Mm-hmm. This person didn't want to go to jail because he's out here stealing cars. Right. You know, so be it. You have to, you know, that's just what happened. You can't ask a 17-year-old person to have so much heart. They're going to say, well, just take me to jail unless that 17-year-old, 17-year-old just happens to be Fred Hampton. Right. Played by Daniel, Ku- I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Kalua. Kalua. This brother. I know Michael B. Jordan is the hottest name in America. I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? Of course, we get it. You know, he's from the town. We already know. But I think this dude, and maybe it's because of the range I've been seeing from Get Out to a couple of uh, British, uh, British like the, I don't like to say BBC. I like to say, the, you know, the British Broadcasting Channel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he had a couple shows on there the same way Idris had uh, Luther on that on that network. Right, And right. he showed me some range. And now seeing him play a character role. Definitely. I mean, to put on the weight. Right. And then, Woke up. and here's the thing. Did he sound exactly like Fred Hampton as far as voice? No. Right. But what he did was give you the belief. Yeah. That's what you do. That's what an actor does. For sure. That's what got Will Smith that Academy Award nomination for Ali. Because I don't think he played like Ali super great, but he gave you a visual and a style that made you be like, oh yeah, that's Muhammad. Right, right. You know what I mean? He got that off, as they would say. So sure. I think he not only got that off, he did it superbly. I mean, he showed top tier orator style through the acting. Mm. He... I think he's the best young black actor under 40. Denzel's son need to go back to the drawing board, go talk to dad, <laughs> and come back outside when he's ready because I don't think he's ready for this dude, Daniel. Right, you know right. what I mean? And then, do you have the sister's name? Yes. Uh, young lady's name is Dominique Fishback. This sister right here. She's, I mean, yo, first of all, I don't know who the best female black actress is that's under 40 because it's already like 11 of them, starting mm-hmm. with Lupita, and you can work your way down from there. But... She's she's serious. She's re- like yeah. superbly good. Definitely. That scene that she did in the church, I'm like, even though it was just her crying, but the facial expression, like all of it, yeah. like you knew the rest of the movie, but you know, you had to let the movie still take you there because it was well directed. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I appreciate her so much for playing that. She didn't just be like, I'm just the mother of the child and I'm just like playing docile. Like, no, I'm a poet with soul. Right. I know what's up. I know what's going on. And you can at least tell me. And, you know, that's a, a difficult scene with men and women, whether it's black or white, but in black love, in our world, that's a real like, underlying dynamic that is it's a flaw for us yeah because that honesty never there like he he's so good of an orator he didn't even want to tell her like the truth of like yo it don't really matter at this point honestly like if yeah. I die I die revolutionary death I know what I said I said what I meant you know I meant what I said Word. I'm Fred Hampton you know exactly you know what I said Murder. I, I was reading an article where um, this young lady actually was meeting with um, Fred's uh uh, son's mother, yeah. Deborah Johnson. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, she was telling her about that night and what all that was going on and what emotions that she was having. Yeah, and she was like, you know, you know, the very last scene at the end when she hears him say, like, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it. But I don't think you can spoil your biopics. We know what happened. But anyway, when they was like, yo, he looks like he might make it. 
boom. And then they they shot him again twice. And then she had that strong, like, like I knew this was coming. I got to press on. You know what I'm saying? Now I got to survive for my baby. Like, right. that shit showed mad strength, yo. And she captured that as an actress because the real person had to go through it. But to be able to, if I see you and I feel that emotion on you, that's, they was acting their ass off. One shot versus over 90 shots. You have to show some discipline. Word is bomb. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pally right here. Bobby Field is going through all types of physical and mental torture. But that's all right. Because we said even before this happened. And we're going to say it after this. Not that I'm locked up. Not that everybody's locked up. That you can jail a revolutionary, but you can't jail a revolution. Why does Lakeith Stanfield need a therapist after playing a rat? What do you think? You think Denzel had that issue when he played in Training Day? I'm just saying, but when he did Training Day, like to play a crooked cop, a black crooked cop, a black crooked cop that won an Academy Award for being a black crooked cop. Uh, I don't know. I for This is my personal thoughts. I don't know. I, I don't know what Denzel thinks, but... I think Denzel takes an intellectual approach to his his acting and he he can compartmentalize. He doesn't do method acting where he turns into the character and he don't know how to shut it off. I think when they yell action, yeah. he's the character. When they yell cut, he's Denzel. Right. A lot of other actors need to get into the character and become that person. But what I feel like with this and Lakeith, it was more so like he, this is the potential because he's still up and coming. You know, he, he's putting himself in position to be one of the, the greater black actors. Definitely. But this is one of those roles where people can't differentiate and they'll start hating you because of who you are, like, or, or who you portray. And they look at you and they see William O'Neill. Yeah. And then that could have some dramatic effects on your career. So that that could be stressful in, in going forward. So, uh, And he's a young actor. It's not like he's a 44-year-old actor that have, you know, where life has slowed down and he can, you know, he can definitely project good things from bad things, can peep vibes. When you're young, it, you're the vibe. Right. Everybody's checking for your vibe. They trying to, yo, nah, nah, Lakeith is kind of mad right now. Like, leave him alone. Right. You know what I mean? But when you're 40, when you're older, it's like, you can read everybody. I can see whether you hot, whether you cold, whether, you know, maybe you got cheated on. I know everything that's going on right now. Right. Um, and that's, this is a young brother, uh, young people, period, that are playing these extraordinary people. For sure. That's a lot of pressure. For sure. And you know, let's be honest, the black community... Not only are we going to stand up and like really like pay attention to it and judge it because it's us. For sure. You I, know what I, mean? I already said that. Like I, I had it in my head. I said, yo, if they do a piss poor job with this movie, like I'm done. I'm I'm not interested. So but but think about what the point I was gonna make, and I'm glad you said that, is who starts who starts what's hot in America, Hanif? Black folk. So if this take off, this is what Happened to Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. This would derive from the question that we just did before. What is, is this already the, the, the movie of the year? And, and you know, the, the, the thing about this is, is I see traction, right? Because this isn't another slave movie. Exactly. This isn't another Black 
love story yes. or comedy. Exactly. This is a movie about a person who America doesn't want you to know who he is. They don't want you to know the message he was trying to give. But here it is now in the mainstream and it ain't got no cut on it. Because it happened exactly the way that it happened. They show people shooting cops. That's right. They show people standing up for themselves. That's right. So if you get that image, like I watched the joint with my daughter and she was like, wow, like I didn't know about this. And like the cops were not being how cops are supposed to be. And they had to defend themselves. And, and she saw how organized it was. So if that seed is getting planted in her head, imagine if this movie goes you know, the way of Black Panther or more people start to see it, like you're saying, and they start to get that message of unity and, and all of that. That'll be crazy. It's going to be great. And the thing about the whole thing about Fred Hampton and his message, right? Yeah. Because they, they, they labeled him a black radical and an extremist, right? Yeah. But remember, the Black Panthers were for defense. You know what I'm saying? And how could you argue with a message of him saying power to the people and his whole identity was to to say like yo as people whether you black white spanish you know any race or creed if you are a proletariat the people then we can put our resources together and fight against the fascist government you know the the capitalists the industries that are designed to use us as cattle we have the power and 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 think about this the government, the constitution is by the people for the people. So he's a patriot when you really think about it. All these other people who are trying to subdue you, those are the who's not doing what they're supposed to do or to do diligence. And meanwhile, in this country, when you see former Navy SEALs or former Marines that go quote unquote AWOL, start bucking militants that have been doing BS to us. Word then they get painted as some BS fascists. Right. We don't know the real story about them. Right. It's been untold stories for so long. Yeah. Of course, someone like Lakeith would be like, ah, where's my pills? I mean, yo, even cartoon f- characters have gotten people killed. Yeah. Uh, You know, R.I.P. Heath Ledger. Think about these untold stories because for all we know, you're Sandra Bland's. Your Breonna Tellers, your George Floyds, whether you like it or not, America, they are your Fred Hamptons. They really are. They've been assassinated too. Facts. Straight up. So imagine again what Lakeith, what Daniel, what uh, what's the sister's name again? Dominique. What Miss Dominique, what they had to go through to make this movie for the next 20 years of the black community. And on top of it, the black community has a, a very strict job to do. We have to claim it for what it is. It's either good or it's not. Word. It's either trash and we can't respect nobody no more in this stuff, which would make them go crazy and have therapists, or we're going to praise them and make them into the, the upper echelon of black actors. This is a must-see. Right. We should have did the Beyonce formation to the movies. Word. This should have get $300 million at the freaking box office. That's what the word is. Like, this is this is definitely straight out of Compton on Tom's Five. For sure. You know what I mean? Tom, and, and people would say straight out of Compton may be a better movie than this. I, I, I mean, even though I may say this is like, this is a good movie, but I think this good movie is better than straight out of Compton. I really do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe because it's well acted. That's probably what I like about it. Right. It's very, very. Oh my god, the actors. Yeah, they did they thing. They did they thing. I'm sorry, bro. I'm For talking sure. too much. You know, so I'm just talking. You know, I know where to cut at. I know where to cut at. I know where to cut at. I like. It's a good movie, man. Or like, look, 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 like, and then they they got the they got the style to the T. Like it looks very sixties, seventies, black American, Chicago. They got the green berets, like they got the crooks, like they got the actual gangs. This is a, like this is the movie that people got mad. Like yo, you know what? Here's the thing. Matter of fact, this might be a whole another segment. We don't even know, but now I see why black people be wanting to smack the f- out of Spike Lee because. That Chirac movie, they thought it was going to be something like this. More, I'm telling you, some authentic Chirac, Chief Keith, they thought he was going to get that. And Spike Lee, even though I love Spike Lee, Spike Lee's a, you know, he's a, he's a uppity fellow. I, I, he's a bourgeois fellow. No, he's good. Like, no, he's about the cause. He's not yeah. like, he's not about the cause. Yeah. He just comes in a bougie fashion, which is fine. But I'm just saying when, okay, bro, we know what Chirac is. You know what I'm saying? And, and we're two geeks, but let me ask you. Did you think when he made a movie with the name called Shot Right, you thought it was going to be a, a Greek play? Where they was going to do singing and dancing and, 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 and rom and reason? No, I didn't think it was going to be that. I thought it was, like you said, it was going to be gritty. It was going to show you the the process of what happens. Um, but I get what he did, but yeah, yeah I mean, I, don't it get, wasn't what I expected, no. It, he surprised me. Don't get me wrong. I still stood up. Was like, yo, I, I, yo, that's why you a screenwriter. That's why you in Hollywood. I like the movie. Yeah, I like the movie too. I could, but I could see why a lot of people was like, no, yeah, Spike Lee. Nah. Like, nah, Spike Lee, no, no. And I get it, cause yeah. and I imagine if that movie was this movie but, was like that, this but, Judas movie. So this is the thing, and and I, I, I struggle with this with Hollywood, like, cause uh, American Skin. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like there's there's this thing, right, where you can you can go to a line, but you can't cross it. So if you are in a movie, and this this gonna ring true for this too, but if you are in a movie killing police, you have to die at the end of the movie. You can't kill police in the movie and get away. You know what I'm saying? Especially if it's black people and it's politically charged. He died in Queen and Slim too. Right. Daniel. It's it's politically charged, mm-hmm. right? So that means it's speaking to black people on a certain level and it's showing you. And if we know, if we think movies have influence, if that man kills a cop and gets away with it, then that sends a certain message. But if it if he kills a cop, then it's just a movie, but we show you what happens at the end. If you shoot these cops, you're gonna die. Well, you know what? If you're going to go on that lane, then no, I have to, I definitely was, I have to. No, I will agree with you on that, like fully, because I think the fact of the matter that they knew that, I'm talking about Hollywood and maybe white America, are they're willing to say, sure, Frank Hampton, Fred Hampton got assassinated. Right. But because he got assassinated and you're going to have to show that anyway, yeah, go ahead, kill the cops. Yep. To as many, go ahead. Going, it's, it's keeps with the pattern. Keep doing it. That's what we'll allow. Yep, we'll allow that. So as long as you know that you're going to get killed. If you would like to be a guest on the late night flight, 
hit me in my Facebook DM at Hanif Sowell or email us at thelatenightflight at gmail.com. Why did Nas and Jay both mention Michelin star restaurants in their Fred Hampton verses? So this is... The Judas and the Black Messiah soundtrack came out on Friday, the same day that the movie aired. And Nas has a feature and Jay-Z has a feature with Nipsey Hussle. Um, Now, first, when it happened, right, there was a rumor or they were trying to make the play that Jay-Z was somehow showing up on another Nas release date. But (laughs) that wasn't the case because they're both on the same soundtrack. So look, so as I'm listening, I hear Nas drink first. Nas going there. He's spitting. He's talking that talk, that right. Nas talk, right. right? And then he mentions, uh, he got Michelin star in the hook of his song. So I'm like, all right, this kind of fight. I didn't know what Michelin star restaurant was. Uh, but then when I figured, all right, it's a nice restaurant. Cool. Then I get the J because I skipped. I just listened to Nas first. Then I went to the J joint. Yeah, I ain't listened to nothing else until later. But then J got a Michelin star line in his song, and I'm like, hmm. So how did his line go? J's Michelin star <laughs> yeah. line. Um, he just was saying like he was bragging, but he was also talking revolutionary. I, I gotta find the lyric, but I, I you find the lyric. I, I I'll pick up for a little bit if I if I can. So okay. hold up. To ask you, so you, so you're saying that you, you said that Michelin Star is a restaurant. Michelin Star is a restaurant. So this is or, a, a, not a restaurant, but it's a rating for a restaurant. A rating, because the way not now the way Nas said it in the ROM, I thought it was a restaurant too. Okay. Until I looked it up, and like you said, it's a rating for a restaurant. It's a rating for a chef as well. Mm. And these chefs. Are you know they they spend a lot of time they I believe seventy plus hours a week trying to cater to these people that give out these ratings so they can be you know I mean hey look listen if I guess if I had the money and I go on Yelp and you tell me that this is a a Michelin star restaurant <laughs> if you tell me this is a Michelin star restaurant then this is this is somewhere I want to go I don't know you know what you was talking about earlier these uh having a broke palate. Because I don't, some of that stuff that they be cooking at these Michelin star restaurants, I don't know if I'll necessarily eat. I don't know if I want a cracker with guacamole on top of it with standing up breadsticks or something. Like, I don't know if I want that, though. Yeah, I am not sure if my palate is up to par with Michelin, Michelin star. I just want a good salmon with some, you know, maybe a, some rice, mac and cheese, something like that. Yeah, I'm into that. He said, he said, huh, I gotta give you the whole joint. Yeah, let's do it. He said, Scorpion Bricks, way before Aubrey's double disc, 40 on my lap, clap, sound like 40 did the mix. Uh. Filtered bass, sift coke, like a Michelin star chef. Like a Michelin star chef. Filtered bass, sift coke, like a Michelin star chef. Chef kiss to my wrist, I go dummy with my left. Like, uh-huh, this uh-huh, is hove. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is hove, yo. <laughs> you are ready. <laughs> so Nas has it in his hook. Um, and what did Nas say about the Michelin star? 
eating Michelin star counting the million. Right. Basically, that's what he basically so these that's are two, the the, 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 I could be reaching, right? Because I, I can reach sometimes. That's fine. But these are two wealthy men, and I'm sure that they eat at the best establishments. But Absolutely. It's just, what are the odds on the same album, two tracks away from each other, they both just so happen to mention Michelin Star. To me, it's peculiar. I don't know if we need to you know, totally do a deep dive into it, but because there's that whole thing about Jay and Nas and when they be dropping and all of that stuff and, you know, the whole history of it, I think it should be looked into. Did somebody hear somebody's song first? Or like we were talking about in the car, did they go away on some sort of like retreat and make the album together and they just so happened to eat at a Michelin star restaurant and both of them were inspired? Mm. Who knows? But if I could rekindle the greatest rap beef in the modern rap in the modern rap era, Jay-Z versus Nas. Hey, listen, Jay-Z used this bar better than Nas this time too. How about that? Mm. Because he actually made it seem oh. like the rating. He gave it like yo, like a Michelin star chef, like right, a top right, rated right. chef. Nas, like, I'm eating Michelin star. It's it's a basic line. It's a basic line. First of all, I'm like, hold up. When he said eating Michelin star, I'm like, hold up. Is this the restaurant or this is a food? Star, is this sardines? What is he talking about? He eats tuna too? What is he talking about? I got you. I I understand now. Nas, Nas, nope. I, I guess I guess Jay Z was right about running the game for eight summers. I better stop giving you points, bro. I've been saying what what if rap would be different if, if Nas would have ran it for eight summers? Nope, nope, because you would have said eating that Michelin star, and I don't know what the hell you talking about. You made it a hot line. I made it a hot song. Hey yo, what the f? This is a poly right here. Uh, the person was in the room. They kept calling out, "Stop shooting! Stop shooting! We have a pregnant woman, a pregnant sister in here." At the time, I was eight and a half to nine months pregnant. My baby was to be delivered in two weeks. Pigs kept on shooting. So uh, he kept on hollering out. Finally, they stopped. They pushed uh, me and the other brother by the uh, kitchen door and told us to face the wall. Heard a pig say, he's barely alive. He'll barely make it. I assume they were talking about Chairman Fred. Is Black Love a revolutionary act? Um, so in my thinking, right, I, in the movie, um, they were trying to give us a slight love story between Fred Hampton and uh, Deborah Johnson, right? So I feel like as much as him being a revolutionary and him being the person that he was and organizing people was a threat. Him being a father and a husband and having that control over his family and raising his son under the same tutelage that he came up under was as much of a threat as, you know what I'm saying, his activism. It's the whole thing of, you know, why fathers aren't in a lot of homes in the hood to begin with. It's like it's a purpose because when you break up that family and you leave a woman to raise a child or you just take away that that masculine or male dynamic from the household, you weaken 
you know, the the structure of how these kids come up and the things that they have to go through. Or you got to go a lot further out just to get back onto a path of where, you know, you're actually trying to push towards an agenda that brings black people further along. Here's what's interesting to that, what you just said. Because they didn't even think about taking out and I don't mean to put this out there, but I'm just keeping it real. Just They didn't even think about taking out Deborah or the son. They just thought about taking out him because white nationalists believe that taking out the male out of the, the black male out of the equation will disrupt foundation. Now, I personally believe whether you take a, the black male out, the black woman out, as far as the mother, anyone, any compartment is going to disrupt right, right. the black family and disrupt what the... Here's, here, here's what's the most basic thing out of love, Hanif. Mm-hmm. Check me out. Especially in the black family. You know what the most basic element of, of it all is? What's that? Foundation. For sure. A black family that is built on a foundation, built on lineage based on the last generation of them. It helps them acknowledge themselves and go to the next generation. But the thing is... We, because because we're basing it off of our former lineage, yeah, off the of stories of our moms and our grandmothers and our grandfathers or whoever the case may be has taught us about the the prior fifty years of how do we get here right. from the great migration of the South. So, I, I, if you think about like the whole history of it, right? In this article that I was reading, it talks about a law from 1643, mm. right? Where they were actually taxing black woman's labor and then making her husband pay the tax, right? So if she generated any sort of income from you know, her enslavement or sharecropping or whatever, he's got to foot the bill, right? And he can't afford to pay the bill, so then he's penalized as a result of it. So then a lot of times, there's just, they would just bounce. Wow. You is know that, what I'm saying? Is that how the government created child support? So, yeah, basically. Mm. That's basically what was going on. Mm. And then here we are today. Like you said, I'm glad you said that because we tie it into child support and it's still happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then you had the whole welfare revolution where women would get on welfare and you couldn't have a man living in the house. And you know what I'm saying? It's the whole divide and conquer mechanism. Absolutely. So that's why in the beginning of this, I'm asking a question of like, yo, why you, why did and you get married asking myself why I didn't get married or people our age like right. it's a whole thing like 54% of black women between 30 and 34 are have never been married mm. you know what I'm saying and it's trending upward but, but I think but I think that is due to just the last 30 to 40 years of life where they're listening to their moms and their moms are probably telling them in the corner like don't get married yeah like wait you know what I mean and no I'm just saying but th- like we're mo- we're modern day. Yeah. We're not from the sixties and seventies, right? You know what I mean? Like technically, we're from the nineties. Like born in the eighties, but we're from the nineties. Things changed. I mean, don't get me wrong. Rodney King was getting his, ass, but things right. was changing. So it's like, okay, we can meet a woman that is going to be a teacher, no problem. We didn't even know women go through this type of BS that we've been hearing about the last four or five years. And I mean, I'm just being honest. I mean, most of my most of my teachers were females. Right. So I'm like, oh, these women out here getting it. I come from my mother's side of the family, like seven, eight, like uh, as far as my, my great aunts, my grandmother's sisters, it's a bunch of them right. before they all passed away. I'm saying rest in peace to, um, anyway, 
But <laughs> the point that I'm making is that they all been independent women. So I've seen what that's like. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, oh, they're not out here. They don't exist. I'm saying that I've seen some. I got to witness some. So I know what that is when I see it. For me right now, just as far as the black love, black marriage, it's really, I just want to make sure I get everything that, that I can get because I think everything else will fall into place. I just told my little cousin that a couple of days ago. I'm like, bro, it's, I'm not even telling you not to focus on women or focus on school. I'm saying right now, can you find out what it is you really want to do so we can carve this path out? So you can find out how you're going to get there, whether it's through school, through trade, whatever the case may be. But you can know what it is that you want to do, because that, as a black man, that's going to help you get yeah. everything else in order. Right. How you live, your living situation, the woman that you're willing to date and figure out if, if you can really build a life together. Because yeah. you're not... Filling it around with your bills and, oh, I got to get this and I got to do that. and oh, oh, oh. So I feel like that's one part of the dynamic, though. But yeah. if you out here having a bunch of kids, you know what I'm saying? If you're getting, women, if you're getting a woman pregnant, you should definitely consider marrying her. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but at the same time, he, okay, if the black, well, I don't want to say they're just a black man, but if one of the parents do not exist in that life where they didn't get that lesson. Right. That wasn't, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. you could be some, you could be some nice looking, decent dude that's just like, look, I'm like you 16, you 15, you just out here. You meeting some girls, you talking, y'all have sex, whatever kind of lie you done put together to have sex or whatever lie she put together for you to have sex with her. But then y'all get pregnant. Yeah, but bro, like think about where the change happened, right? Mm -hmm. That wasn't the case then. It was like, yo, shotgun wetting. Like, yo, if you get my daughter knocked up, you're going to marry her and you're going to take care of her. Nobody, your father's not around to do that now. You know what I'm saying? So he gets you pregnant. Y'all start beefing. He go get somebody else and then he get her pregnant. You know what I'm yeah, saying? And they true. even explained that in the article where they was like, that even, that whole trend started when... Um, they had banned foreign slavery, mm. right? So you couldn't import slaves from um, overseas anymore. So then they started doing interstate trading the slaves and they would split the families right. apart. Yep, yep. So yep. now these people who were married, if, if I'm in Virginia and then you take me to Florida and then we finally linked back up, but I started a whole new life. A whole new life. You know life. what I'm saying? You seen on Harriet Tubman, yo, as soon as she went and got free, her husband married another woman. And then you have, you starting to have children and then it's just a continuous process. So now the modern version of that is, like I said, we get, we, I get you pregnant. I'm not really sure if I want to be with you or not. We break up. I move on to the next person. And it's a cycle. Well, as Nas said, uh, we need more warriors soon. So it's, it wasn't more of, listen, whether these kids are coming out of wedlock or not, we just need more and more because it was that's a systematic uh, situation. Right. How do you take over Newark? Matter of fact, I'll do another delegation. How do you take over a town like Lakewood, New Jersey? Every Orthodox Jewish American starts breeding, starts breeding, starts breeding, starts breeding. And all the white councilmen and councilwomen that was on that board, they turned into Orthodox Jews. The people that's on the school school board turned into Orthodox Jews. That's how you turn Absolutely. local government. Yeah. By basically being the population. Yeah. How do you think right now in the city of Newark, there is nothing but black and brown, brown and brown, black, however you want to say it. That's what it is. 
you look, I ain't trying to say never, but it, you would probably never see a white American as mayor in North New Jersey based on the population period here. Give it another 25 years. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pally right here. Another example, Papa Doc in Haiti. Papa Doc in Haiti hated everything white. Man, you couldn't put this white paper in front of Papa Doc's face. But he moved all the white people out and he took over to be oppressed. Yeah, he did, causing no education. And the people that had been educated, they just said that we don't hate the mother white people. We hate the oppressor, whether he be white, black, brown, or yellow. Did you learn about the Black Panthers in public school? Um, my, my grandparents were militant, so I did learn about the Black Panthers, QEP, um, Bobby Seale, like the, the initial start of the movement. My, yes. my mother actually had one of those wicker chairs that he repeat the oh, famous yeah. picture. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but Fred Hampton, no. I didn't come up on Fred Hampton until um, Dead Prez, Let's Get Free album. And they got a song called Behind Enemy Lines and they kind of break down the story. And they was talking about his son because his son was targeted as well as, as his life grew up. Yeah. He, he was being targeted by police and they were, you know, trying to lock him up and, and make sure that he didn't become his father. Um, so then after I'm doing my research, I'm starting to learn about Fred Hampton a little bit more. And, you know, I um, listen to his speeches and it's like, yo, you can't help but get magnetized by it. And yes. the reason why I ask is like, now my daughter's in private school. Okay. Right? And we were watching a movie together and she was like, yo, dad, they're not teaching black history in my school. They're not even talking about anything black history month. And I'm like, I understand. That's cool. Like, cause you're going to get that at home. Right? But I started to think about when we grew up and we went to predominantly black schools. Like our elementary school had a black principal and mo most of the teachers was black. Right. But we would learn black history and we would learn about the standard people. You Martin Luther King, you know what I'm saying? They might throw Malcolm X in there, Sojourner Truth, like the the, the regular... Yeah. Not, not, I don't want to diminish them by saying regular, but like the... The ones that are more You are definitely mainstream. getting 10 mainstream characters you know in saying? the black history. Jesse Jackson. You know. Why the f learning about Jesse Jackson? Now that I'm grown, I'm like, Jesse, come on, Jesse. But he was one of them, though. But you Jesse was one of them. Yeah, you learned about but, Jesse, uh, Mary McLeod Bethune, maybe. Yo, uh, and Gwendolyn Brooks, Lang Langston Hughes. Um, my mother used to run a free lunch program. Oh, how about that? So she had, I don't know what they did. They was organized community, but in the summertime, kids would come to our backyard and she would give out the free lunches or whatever. And that stemmed from the Black Panthers free breakfast program. You know what I'm saying? So you have uh, these people who were in our communities feeding kids hot food in the morning to make sure that they had something on their stomach when they went to school. Teaching them about, you know, how to protect themselves. Teaching them how to be stand-up individuals and, and, and live in this world. And then when we get, you know, what, 20 years removed when we're in elementary school, they're not even talked about in our curriculum? That's, mm. that's, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, my father told me a long time ago, like about, I want to say, sixth, seventh grade, like, they're not going to teach you this. So you're going to get this here. And, you know, I, you know what? Again, having that foundation, yeah. that black family foundation where here is, you know, now mind you, this is a normal man. This man didn't have to teach me this. Right. This man didn't even necessarily have to know about uh, Mr. Cleaver or Mr. Sill or Newton or, you know, Fred Hampton, anything. 
but he chose to do it, made me write a paragraph about it and mm. show it to him. And if he like it, that's good. If he don't like it, I get smacked in the head and I got to do it again. That's how that go. But it was discipline. Whether I liked it or not, it was the discipline that made me know more about these, uh, about, about these great people, these great uh, figures. And then on top of it, when I watch a movie like we just watched just now, I get more, more in-depth look. Because honestly, I didn't know too much about Fred Hampton. Right. I knew Bobby Seale. I knew Cleaver. I knew Newton. Right. And I didn't even know them like up and down, all that. But I get that the Black Panther Partner was the Black Panther Partner. The Black Panther Partner. I said it twice. The Black Panther Party. They are looking to be this coalition that was the street version of internal affairs. Yeah. You know, because of what was going on with police basically assassinating black people. I'm going to have to say that now. Based on what you see with this movie, like we said earlier, there's people that have been slain and maybe they have been assassinated. And now we have Hanif Sowell, the senior correspondent of the Light Skin Delegation. Wait, what the f*** is that? Light skin delegation. We, the light skin delegation slash coalition slash network, would like you to repeat after me. Say, I am, I am a, revolutionary. a revolutionary. One more time. I am a revolutionary. Although Chairman Fred was a member of the dark skin delegation, we salute his efforts to unify the proletariat under the banner of freedom. We want his name and legacy to continue to live on as the struggle continues to live on. To all my light-skinned brethren, remember, we are born black, we live black, and will die probably because we're black, as so eloquently stated by our brother Pretty Willie and the spook who sat by the door. All power to all people. Shout out to Huey Newton. No further questions at this time. Push us through crowd. Please subscribe and download to The Late Night Flight on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Every subscription helps us towards our efforts in having a career in podcast radio broadcasting. Hey, yo, what the f***? This is a pilot right here.